0: Hey there, glad you joined me today. So I was thinking about how to introduce this episode and of course I thought of a story. So this one time I was coming downstairs from putting the kids to bed and our house at that time had like a landing and then the stairs turned and I was coming down the landing into the dark living room and Wes had crouched right in the corner where the landing was and leapt out at me to scare me thought this would be funny. And I, and I just knee jerk reaction. I took my arm and swung it and smacked him right across the face. (laughs) I totally, I screamed and then smacked him, just smacked his head and his whole body. He was crouched down when he did it. So he rolled like, like a tumbleweed across the prairie. He just rolled right across the living room and then sat up and was like, "Ow." It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I wasn't even thinking. I just like, that was my reaction when someone scared me. It was so funny. And you know what? He never did that again. Never jumped out at me again. Now, why am I telling you this story? Well, I was thinking about it. And that was my reaction because I grew up with three brothers. So I had this history of, you know, Boys jumping out at me and trying to scare me and me screaming and defending myself. So having grown up with that, I had developed this knee-jerk reaction to it, which was hitting, screaming and hitting. So be warned, don't jump out at me because that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, I feel pretty good about that, that like, if I ever get surprised by like a real bad guy, I'm going to scream and hit them. So, you know, that's okay. So why am I telling you that story? Well, today I want to talk about the knee-jerk reaction, the automatic response that I want to have to everything that happens in life, whether it's a surprise or just the ordinary things that happen in life. And that is to respond with thanksgiving to God, no matter what happens. I want that to be my automatic response. And I guess I related it to that story because I think to have that be our automatic response, It requires a lifetime, a history of having that response in our life. Just like I had developed that habit with my three brothers, who really schooled me in what to do when you get surprised. So then my automatic response was ready. In the same way, I need to have a heart of thanksgiving and develop a habit of a heart of thanksgiving so that it will become my automatic response every day and that's what we're going to talk about today and I've got a Bible verse and a Bible story that are a great place to pause and ponder just that and also I just want to mention that next week I am going to post an episode on um, Wednesday the day before Thanksgiving and uh, I just want to mention it because you might not listen to it right away with being busy and everything But next week's episode is going to be a meditation on giving thanks because I've done a few of those in the past um, where I just take like one or two verses and really just meditate out loud with you about it. And my goal with that is, my hope is that it can be something you come back to when you, you know, for in this case when you're not feeling thankful and you can just meditate with me on that verse um, to sit before the Lord and and allow him to bring you back to a place of thankfulness. Um, so that, that will be next week. Just meditating on a verse that, you know, it's that chewing of God's word that the Holy Spirit can really transform us and, and truly change our hearts. So that's next week. And one final announcement. Wes and I are leaving on another big adventure again today. So if you want to follow along and see uh, all the cool sites we're going to see in different states we're going to go to, you can uh, check it out on Instagram or Facebook. I'm sure I will be posting lots of pictures there. All right, it's time to get started. This is the Pause and Ponder podcast with me, Susie Weber. I hope you feel like you're pulling up a chair at my kitchen table as we chat about thankfulness. So, thankfulness. Well, I don't know if you'll listen to this podcast when it first comes out, but I'm recording this right before Thanksgiving. So, of course, I was thinking about being thankful and what we do for Thanksgiving, which, honestly, Thanksgiving has never been a huge holiday for me, I guess because I'm Canadian, and, you know, in Canada, it's just not as... uh, a big of a holiday but um but thankfulness we're supposed to be thankful all the time not just one day out of the year of course but it is a good reminder to focus on thankfulness and not just focus on thankfulness but you know make it a celebration i think it's a great idea that i probably should celebrate thanksgiving more than i do because it's a great idea to intentionally plan to celebrate being thankful to God, so anyway, it made me think and ponder, pause, and ponder, how thankful am I, and what develops what what do I what could I do to develop what do I do to develop that heart attitude every day of thankfulness in myself, but also in my children? What did I do to um, develop that in my children? what could I do? And what could we do to develop that attitude of thankfulness and gratitude in our children? So it made me think of this passage in Nehemiah. It's in Nehemiah chapter 12. Um, and there is just one verse that I really want to pause and ponder. But let me set the scene for you here. You can read, obviously, go read Nehemiah chapter 12 if you want to get the whole context. But basically, um the, the part of the story that I want to look at is the dedication of the wall. Because I think if you think about what this looked like and what they were actually doing, it's, it's really cool. And it's, and it's a challenge to us to look at what we're doing to show God thanks, to give God thanks. So anyway, here's what's happening. Let me just explain a little bit. So Nehemiah, if you think about it for a second, the book of Nehemiah starts with Nehemiah crying and super sad, mourning that Israel is in this terrible condition and the wall is broken down. And he's not even in um, Jerusalem. He is in Babylon. And he hears the news that the, the, the guys come back and tell him, Hey, Nehemiah, yeah, they're in big trouble. It's, the, the country's a mess. The country is a total mess. And he literally mourns. He is grieved over the state of his countrymen um, and God's people. So then he gets permission to go and do something about it. He goes to Jerusalem. He builds the wall. They have enemies, they have struggles. And now it's complete. God has done a miracle. Really, it was a miracle that they were able to finish this wall. So in, super quickly, I think, I'm not looking it up, but I think it's 52 days they finished the wall, which really was amazing. And here they're going to have the dedication of the wall. And how cool, just as a side note, to look at this arc of Nehemiah's life, um, well, of the le- part of his life that's recorded in the Bible. He goes from a place of grief and um, prayer and crying out to God, and it's grief over their sin and their brokenness, and then it takes us through the journey of the hard work to this place of rejoicing and thankfulness and praise. That's kind of cool. But anyway, dedication of the wall. All right, so here's what it says. In verse 37, it says, And at the, and when it says, I, it's Nehemiah. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. Okay, so, kind of interesting, if you th- compare this to th- our Thanksgiving, people traveled. People, they got the Levites because the Levites were like the priests, they would be the ones who would be in charge of worship, And they brought them from afar. And then it lists all these people that they brought from afar. So lots of people traveling to celebrate this special day. That sounds familiar. So they list all the people. And then in verse 31, it says, Then I, Nehemiah, then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks one went to the south on the wall to the dung gate. And then he gives a long description of where they're traveling on the wall. And then in verse uh, 39, he says, and the other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north. And I followed them with half the people on the wall above the tower. So that's pretty fun. They, they climb up on the wall and the wall would have been pretty wide. I think a chariot could ride on it. Um, so it was wide, but how, how fun would that be if we still celebrated and gave thanks by climbing up on a wall and marching around? So they have a, like a parade, a big march. This is a lot of people. They listed a whole bunch. I'm not going to bore you with all the names. And they all climb up on the wall and they're marching. One goes one way, one goes the other, and they're going to march all the way around the city on the wall. And then the other people, it, it says later, uh, women and children, they'd all be on the ground marching sort of along with them, probably waving, right? And they are shouting and singing for joy. Anyway, then, so then it describes where he goes on the wall and they end up in the temple. So they march all around the wall. Just picture this, two huge groups of people with lots of instruments and singers and everything, um, climbing up on a wall, marching around in a circle, meeting on the other side, coming down and then going into the temple to have a big praise service. And then it says in verse 43, and here's our main verse, And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. I think that is so cool. They gave thanks. And it was heard far away. Other people noticed them giving thanks. So here they are. They've completed a great task. And they've been through an era of difficulty with enemies surrounding them. And this era is now over. They've been through a time when they were weak. When they were just starting over from ruins. And they're putting that all behind them. And they're calling everyone together and they gather to give thanks. Instead of playing football, they climb up on top of a wall, march around the city, play instruments, sing and shout, and give thanks and praise to God. I think that's pretty cool. I think in the busyness of getting ready for Thanksgiving, of preparing a meal, of cleaning the house, of whatever we're doing, traveling, to get ready for Thanksgiving, how great is it to pause and ponder through this Bible story, how important it is to give thanks to God. What a difference it makes in our lives. So I think as we ponder this Bible story, this event that happened, we can see a lot of the benefits of giving thanks. Now, you know what? I I googled um, giving thanks and like 20 different, at least 20 different uh, sites came up or articles came up about giving thanks that were not Christian. The world knows that giving thanks is a healthy thing to do, that it's good for us, that we're happier, all these things. Even the world recognizes that. But what about giving thanks specifically to God? What does God say about it? I think we see a bunch of things in this passage. The first one is that giving thanks gives glory and honor to God. We thank him because we know we wouldn't have it or couldn't do it without him. We give him the glory. We give him the honor when we give thanks. So if you want to honor God, thank him. Thank him in front of people. They did this publicly. Thank God in front of other people and you will be giving God honor. Another thing it does is thanking God is a way to dedicate something to the Lord. That's kind of cool. If you want to give something over to God, thank him for it. You know what else? Thanking God brings unity. Thanking God for this wall brought them together. They did it together. What a unifying thing to do, to gather together and march on that wall and sing praise to God. So what? If you're experiencing division of any sort, stop and give thanks together. That's a great one for kids, I feel like. If you have a bunch of kids and they're not getting along, stop and make them say, you know what, tell me something you're thankful for right now. Thank God for something. And it will bring unity. And also, did you notice how many times it said joy in that passage? Thanking God expresses and increases joy. So if you need more joy, give thanks. And you know what's kind of cool? We give thanks before we celebrate the joy of Christmas. Thanksgiving always comes before joy. I think that's neat. And lastly, giving thanks leads to purity. and just has a lot to do with purity. If you read the whole chapter, they purified themselves before this event of dedicating the wall, and after the dedication of giving thanks and praise, they were compelled to follow God's law more closely. They had re- had a time of reading the word, um, and then after hearing that, they realized that in some areas they had slipped away from God's law, a.k.a. disobedience, and they went to correct that. So here's what I'm saying. Giving thanks to God can help us mature in our faith to greater obedience and greater holiness. That's what it did for the people with Nehemiah. That's what it can do for us. Perhaps as we turn our thoughts and hearts to truly thank God, and we get in that place of humility before him, it is then that we are a little more open to God talking to us about what he wants to change in us. That's conviction. The people with Nehemiah were convicted of their sin, and they made changes. Wouldn't it be great if giving thanks had the same effect in our lives or in the lives of our loved ones? Instead of nagging or condemning others or even condemning ourselves over our sin, or you might be thinking of um, habits that you want to change, or weaknesses, failures, well, it all comes down to sin. And instead of nagging, you need to change, or why can't I change? Instead of all that, we create an environment full of thanking God all the time. And it leads everyone closer to Jesus, actually changing us to be more like him. Hmm, that sounds great, right? But how do we do that, you ask? Well, what else do we see about how to give thanks in this passage? How did they give thanks? I think we can learn from their example. I love the first my first point is it can be loud. Go for it. The people far away heard it, so they were really loud. And you know that kind of matters because people are watching. Are they made more aware of God's greatness by our shouts of praise? Does anyone have more reverence for God by watching me? It's a great question to ask. I really want to ponder that they created a ceremony for giving thanks. There were intentional plans for giving thanks. And Nehemiah orchestrated the whole thing. So who is the Nehemiah at your Thanksgiving? Or any day that you plan and intentionally plan a celebration of Thanksgiving? Who is intentionally planning a way to give thanks together? you know what? What if we did the same? What if we took our cues from Nehemiah? And bear with me here. What if we walked around the outside of our houses singing praise so the neighbors could hear with shouts of joy? And that became the way to celebrate Thanksgiving. I have to ask myself, am I too polite in my praise? Am I too polite in my praise? Why not be extravagant in praise and thanksgiving? Because it matters. Not just for a day with turkey, but for a life with Jesus. I want my knee-jerk reaction in all circumstances in life to be thank you God. And I want all my efforts to plan and prepare things for my family to be about creating time to thank God. That's a great thanksgiving. Our God deserves it. Our hearts are molded by it. And the world so desperately needs to hear it. May you ponder the power and priority of great thanksgivings to our God. Till next time.